Chapter 2. The Motivation. Welcome back for Session 2 of the Activated Team Series. In the last session, you were connected with others who are committed to making new disciples of Jesus, and you began discussing the idea of making the good news of Jesus' love intentionally unavoidable amongst the people you are most compassionate for. Well, in light of the last session, what has God been doing in you? Feel free to pause and take a moment to reflect on that in your activated journal. Down the road, it'll be encouraging to look back in your journal at all that God has done. The journal is an important part of this activated team series. Well, in this session, we want to take a deep dive and talk about your motivation for mission. Our objective is to practice assessing our inward motivations for making new disciples of Jesus. Again, I'd invite you to pause as needed and capture important thoughts or questions you have in your journal along the way. Asking why. As a ministry leader, I've been encouraging people to share Jesus with the lost for years. Sadly, almost no one does. Certainly not often, at least not directly. I've tried so many messages and methods to motivate them, but all have the same tiny results. My heart breaks for the lost like Paul's heart does in Romans 10, 14 through 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. As a pastor, I had great hope that my congregation would have beautiful feet, but far too few of them followed through with living out their impact statement with passion and intentionality in the lives of the lost. The question that I struggled to answer was, why is this? I'm very aware of some of the roadblocks that stand in my own way when it comes to sharing Jesus. Do you resonate with any of these I've felt or or heard from others? As you read this exhaustive list, Take some notes in your journal of any that you resonate with or have resonated with. I'm afraid of being rejected because I don't want to be offensive. I don't want it to cost me my friendships or opportunities. I'm just waiting for the right moment to share Jesus with them. I don't want to come off as a salesman and I don't want to be one for that matter. I don't always know what to say. I don't want someone to end up in hell because I said the wrong thing or they prayed the wrong prayer. I don't like making people a project. I don't think that's loving. I really don't think I have the gift of evangelism. I tried it once before. It didn't work. I don't know the best approach or tools to use. I don't know where to begin. What if they have hard questions? I'm not prepared. I'm not a pastor. I don't know enough. I don't want to look stupid. I just feel so guilty. I can't seem to start. I don't know any non-Christians. God doesn't need me to save people. My neighbors and coworkers seem pretty happy just the way they are. I don't want to turn people off to Jesus just because I'm too forward with them. Or how about this one? I'd rather live it than speak it. Or I'll only say something if they ask me. But here's the thing. All of these roadblocks, some of which are sometimes offered as excuses, are answered with just one testing question. Why would you want to share Jesus? Or in other words, 
What would genuinely motivate you to do so? We're motivated by a variety of internal and external influences. Being missional has been very popular in recent years, often touted as the new needed focus for especially the Western church. And because of that, doing outreach is what the church is committed to. Maybe it's one of your church's four or five purposes. So as a good church member, you engage in it. Maybe you're aware of what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and feel a sense of obligation to participate obediently. Or maybe your church organizes ways to reach the community and you don't want to be left out. But here's the reality. When there is freedom, we only really do what we want to do. So why would we genuinely want to share Jesus with the lost? And how might we get to a place where we can't help but do it? I want to share a grid with you that helped me break free from my fear and excuses and grow in my desire for Jesus and out of that intimacy, passionately pursue the lost. Again, as a reminder, we're having a making new disciples of Jesus conversation. Therefore, what I'm going to share next is just a simple tool designed to help us check our motivation in daily moments to share Jesus with others. And It reminds us to apply the gospel in our own lives in a way that increases our motivation to share Jesus with them. If applied well, this tool will not induce guilt. It will simply help you adjust focus to pursue Jesus and his heart for you more. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. You may know it. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. In the top box, we'll call it box four. Let's start by asking ourselves, how much are we personally engaged in making new disciples? How much do we long to make new disciples? Do we wake up in the morning passionate about sharing the good news of Jesus with as many people as possible? Do people come to mind regularly who don't follow Jesus? Do we put ourselves in relationship with people who don't know Jesus in order to share him with them? And do we desperately pray for those in our lives who don't follow him? Are you compelled to make new disciples because your joy in the gospel is overflowing? Well, answering this litmus test of questions is revealing of our motivation. If your answers to these questions don't reflect a passionate frequency, it's a good chance we need to ask why by going back down the grid. So the next box down, box three, is part two of the great commandment. Matthew 22, 39. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to cut right to the chase. I could say a lot about this, but I want to try and make sure I say it with care. If we are professing followers of Jesus, we have received a great gift from God. So, To love our neighbor as ourselves actually automatically implies that we want that same gift we've received for them if we truly love them like ourselves. Think about it for a minute. Selfishness isn't love, right? Well, here's another way to think about it. Theoretically, imagine if someone were able to take that gift away from you. What would you feel? How desperate would you be to get it back? It's pretty significant, isn't it? Actually, it's the most significant gift. It's our eternal destiny before God in their hands now. 
you would likely do whatever you have to do to get it back. Now compare that desperation you've just imagined against your current desperation for others to know and love Jesus. Are you as desperate for them? Our actions and emotions are reflections of our beliefs and values. So if we say we have the value of love for people, our actions are reflective of the degree to which we love. But if we're not desperate to share Jesus with them and for them to know him, I don't think we can say we're fully loving them as much as ourselves. Another great test is one of Jesus' rebukes to the Pharisees. Matthew 12, 34 reads, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Essentially, what's in comes out. What we love is what we talk about. What we talk about is what we love. If I love Jesus, Jesus will come out of my mouth, just like my passion for the Lakers, old cars, and my family. But hopefully more. I know this is the kind of stuff that can offend people and get me punched in the neck because it sounds like I could be saying, unless you share Jesus, you don't love them at all. But I'm inviting you to be honest with how much you actually love them if you're not sharing Jesus with them. Please remember, in no way is it my intention to induce guilt right now. Rather, I'm inviting you to consider your motivations and the strength of them in light of what they could be. I realize it can be difficult to consider what I'm asking without racing somewhat automatically to a place of shame or discouragement. That's the last thing I want. All we're doing is measuring our motivation. These are important questions to ask, revealing clues and indicators to pay attention to. Is my value of love for others getting expressed verbally by sharing about my love for Jesus with people? Do I think of my neighbor as greater than myself? Do we see and treat people as Jesus sees and treats them? If they mistreat or harm us, do we see their brokenness and have compassion on them? Or do we enter fight or flight mode and want nothing to do with them? Do we extend grace and mercy to people as much as we wish it extended to us? Is our sharing of the gospel more than just words, but actual sacrifice of our lives for others? If our neighbor is our enemy, do we love them and pray for them as Jesus commanded? If after answering all these questions, we find we have a love our neighbor box three problem, meaning we aren't loving our neighbor as Jesus would, we have to go back down to the next box, box two. We have to ask ourselves, how well do we know God? And how deeply do we love God? The great commandment found in Matthew 22, 37 through 38. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Here, we must ask ourselves questions like, how often do I sit with God in prayer, expecting to hear his heart for me and others? Would I easily refer to him as my best friend? Or do I talk to him throughout the day as if he is? How much time do I spend in the book he wrote, getting to know him? Do I pray, desperately dependent on him? And is his glory on this earth the thing I'm most passionate about? If you aren't devouring his book to discover who he is or longing to be with him each day, and you find yourself more consumed with life distractions than his glory being made known, it might be helpful to ask why. Again, I want to take care and pause here for a moment. This is not a guilt trip. And I'm not suggesting you don't love God at all or aren't saved by grace. 
but I'm pushing you to consider if your actions are in line with what you claim. So if they aren't, please walk forward with me in anticipation of what is offered to you. At the end of the day, box one is what motivates. Your gospel calling is what motivates. It's God's invitation to us to be loved by him. It's the good news that we've experienced that we can't help but share with others. That's the design that we so often stray from or miss altogether. You're likely already familiar with Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But the nine verses before that are so important. In the first few verses, Paul is gushing about how much he needed the gospel because of his sin. And then he lands two amazing words in verse four, but God, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. When we're overcome with the joy that comes from receiving this gift, we can't help but naturally find ourselves moving in the opposite direction, back up the grid. Overcome by God's love for us in box one, we find ourselves loving him and wanting to spend time with him in box two more and more. And when we spend time with him, getting to know him, he gives us his heart and eyes of love for others in box three. As we've already discussed, true love necessarily means we share the free gift of Jesus with others who are lost and far from him. Box four. The perfect love he gave us in box one casts out all of our fear and wipes away all of our excuses to engage box four. God wants to give us his perfect love in every moment of every day. And from that point, we overflow with it to others. Therefore, what is the gospel in box one is the next important question you must have answered. It's vital we know what the gospel is and what it isn't. There's much confusion in our churches around this, so we will discuss this a bit more in our next session. But for now, consider sitting with these questions. Facts. What are the biblical passages I cling to that tell me I'm saved? Faith. Have I or do I actively trust Christ as the Savior and leader of my life? And feelings. Do I experience the joy of having my sins forgiven and receiving God's love each day? Sharing Jesus is a get-to, not a gifting. People have ignored my invitations to make new disciples of Jesus at times because they claim not to have an evangelism gift. They have mistakenly written me off by saying that I must have an evangelism gift because I talk about the importance of the lost meaning Jesus all the time, but they don't have that gift. I don't believe God has blessed me with that gift specifically. I'm merely passionate about Jesus who's in me, and that necessarily demands I care about others having him too. What's in comes out. Honestly, I'm never operating perfectly out of pure gospel-driven motivation. No one has except Jesus. Only because of God's grace and helping me see my need for him, I am more and genuinely motivated to spend time with him and share Jesus with others. It's important to note that We're never only moving forward through the grid or only backward. It's more fluid than that. It's more about getting to use the grid to check our motivation in all moments throughout our day, learning to apply the gospel, and assessing the cumulative sum of those moments throughout our day, week, or month. Some days, I remember what God has done for me more than others, and 
find myself more interested in sharing him with others. Some days, I'm just plain tired, and that's okay. Sharing Jesus isn't a have to, as a good friend of mine says. It's a get to, as often as I'm able to. But I hope God continues to grow my desire to naturally share him more and more each day. So take some time with God in your activated journal before you meet next as an activated team to assess your gospel motivation level today, this last week, month, and year. Ask God, where am I today? How gospel motivated am I in each of my relationships? What is motivating me to share Jesus? Do I love you so much, Jesus, that I can't help but share you with others? Help me be honest before you right now. This is session two. As a helpful teaser, in session three, we'll begin to look at how God is working to grow our affection for him through his gospel in us so that we long to give him away to others with increasing joy. The gospel is a thing that's often misunderstood. Therefore, it's often a thing that's misapplied. Most of us, and I'm including myself, need a lot of help in this area. The gospel is the good news of Jesus, and he is our why. Our growing relationship with him is the only thing that will provide us lasting motivation to want to share him with others. We need the gospel in us. Only then will we really want to give it through us. Maybe this session has been unsettling in some way for you. Maybe you're now questioning everything altogether. I pray for protection against anxiousness, doubt, guilt, or fear. May God preserve you in his grace as you ask him about your gospel motivation this week. Remember, there's no fear in love and he loves you a ton. So don't be afraid. He just wants to give you more gospel. And as he does, your motivation to share it with others will grow and grow.